he's like, dude, this is the best thing I've ever done. Like, I just absolutely love this trip. It like, it feels, it fills me up to see how you like take us down these trails that I don't think I can do. And then we, we do them and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. And like, I go back and I'm high on life yeah. and I'm like, yeah, that's because you just need adventure in your life, bro. Today we have Luke Torkelson from Weatherby uh, joining us. He's going to be sharing uh, with us a story from his past and uh, enlightening us on uh, on some of uh, what he's got going on over at one of my favorite rifle companies. So uh, Luke serves as the VP of marketing for Weatherby, and um, I've always found that to be a fascinating organization uh, in that it's still U.S. made. It's a U.S. made product primarily. Um, yeah. they are multi-generational and it is a, it's a family run family, uh, owned company. And I believe it's still that way. I'll let him speak it is. to that. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I've just, I'm always fascinated by things that go boom and move fast. So Luke's got a pretty cool, cool gig. If you ask me, Luke, welcome to the show. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks for having me, Drew. Um, well, even though I landed at Weatherby, I didn't grow up. And maybe the way you would think, um, you know, Weatherby is kind of probably known as primarily a Western hunting brand. I mean, with our cartridges being typically caliber for caliber, the fastest out there, they kind of lend, lend themselves to long range hunting. Um, interestingly though, I just, I did not grow up hunting. I grew up uh, just outside of Dallas, Texas. I was a soccer kid. Um, my dad got me my first motorcycle when I was nine years old. I was born in 82. So he got me two very aggressively used Honda XR (laughs) eighties. One of them, yeah. One of them ran, uh, kind of, and the other didn't run at all. (laughs) And, uh, he bought them from his boss at work and he got them for basically a song. The guy just didn't want them anymore. Like get them out of my garage kind of price. Yeah. And, for me that like opened a door of adventure. Um, I continued to play soccer while riding motorcycles all growing up. And we lived on the the outside of Dallas, a little suburb called Denton, Texas. Now it's quite large, but at the time we were in this little neighborhood that, um, there was, it was growing rapidly, but they cleared out a bunch of woods and trees, but they weren't going to build there for years. So we had like, it was probably not a hundred percent legal, but no one was ever there. And we just would ride. Um, I got that, that, that first XR 80 or set of XR eighties. And then, um, I can look back and think about like probably 20 kids in the neighborhood that over the next several years, all got some version of that, whether it's a Suzuki DR 100 or sure. a little Honda CR 125s, yeah. but, um, and we just rode all the time. Um, we'd get home from school and we'd go out in the woods and ride. And that's just kind of how I grew up. I wasn't a video game kid. Um, I, I was either on the soccer field or riding dirt bikes, uh, behind the house. And it was, it was really, really cool. Um, once I got old enough 
and my dad and I both got good enough. We started doing trips uh, to Colorado and Moab. And um, we just really, as often as he could get off of work and I could skip school, we started, uh, we started doing some adventuring together, which was, which was really fun. Um, and I remember the first time, I was probably in seventh grade, maybe eighth grade. Uh, I, I remember going to my teacher saying, hey, I'm going to go to a motorcycle trip with my dad. And they're like, well, can't you wait for spring break? We're like, well, we're going to go in spring break too, but we're also going to go, you know, now. <laughs> and uh, it took like a couple hours to do my makeup work for an entire week. And I, I felt like I learned more in that, in that week long trip to Moab than I did in a whole year at school. You know, you just, I don't know. There's just a lot of growth. I think that happens when you challenge yourself. Um, and I think I learned that from a pretty young age. So Anyway, uh, uh, when I was 13, I started playing, um, goalkeeper, got pretty good at it at 14. Uh, I was encouraged to go out for a club team. So I tried out for like the, you know, under 14, under 15 team. And, uh, the coach came up to me and was like, Hey, bad news. You didn't make the team you're trying out for, but we do have a spot on the U19 team. We'd like you to play there. And, you know, every once in a while you look back on your life and you're like, how did that happen? Or, or furthermore, how did my parents think this was okay to let this happen? Um, long story short, uh, I ended up being the keeper for this under 19 team as a, basically an eighth grader. Wow. Uh, and it was, there was a couple kids on the, on the team that were like crazy, crazy good. Um, they were out of high school like in their first year of junior college kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, man, I just learned so much because as a keeper, you are supposed to kind of be the leader from the you're back the, of the you're team. You're the one who sees it all. You see it all. Exactly. Um, and you're the hero or the zero. And right. so I, I'm out there as 14 year old boy among men, sure. uh, trying and to big muscles and... for sure. I was scared to death at first. And I remember, yeah. This guy, uh, Cody Monk was like, he was out of high school. He was like visually scary. Like, you know, to me, I was like, oh my gosh, he could probably rip my head off if he wanted to. And, um, I think in one of the first games, uh, he was the sweeper. Cody was the sweeper. And one of the first games, it was like a 50, 50 ball. I was being timid. I didn't go after it fully. And I got leveled. You got laid out. I got leveled hard and, uh, I, I kept playing, but I just remember I got, I got rocked. And the next time that kid that rocked me came in, um, Cody, I think sent him to the hospital. That guy's Cody probably let him have it. He's probably still not right. Oh, so my word. I got this just like instant sense of like belonging and, uh, kind of acceptance that I probably didn't deserve, but just because of the position that I had, um, yep they just protected me. And man, it was just really a unique way uh, to learn leadership at a really young age that I didn't know I was learning. Now I look back at my life. I'm like, Oh my gosh, a lot of the, you know, quote unquote skills that I have in leadership today, a lot of them stemmed from trying to lead this soccer team when I was shouldn't have been really. I mean, I didn't have the maturity level to do it. I've I'm, I'm six foot two. I've been like, 
six foot two, 175 pounds since eighth grade. Like I haven't really changed a lot. I've gotten a little wider, a little wider, but, um, I just, I kind of grew quickly and then they're like, Hey, he's got some ability and they just stuck me out there. Anyway, I, I learned a whole, whole lot through that. I ended up playing a couple years in college, um, played all through high school, played in college. Um, I only played two years. I had some injuries and I just kind of made a conscious decision that I wanted to be able to, uh, to walk and ride my motorcycle when I was 40. I actually said that many times. (laughs) And, uh, so I, I made a conscious decision to, to like take care of myself over continuing to play sports. Plus, uh, admittedly, um, college, uh, man, shout out to all the college athletes. It's hard to maintain, uh, an college athlete schedule and academic schedule. And I sucked at that. I was a good high school student, but I was a terrible college student. Um, so that's real. Yeah. So I, I mean, I was missing tons of classes, not from skipping standpoint, just from athletics. And, uh, yeah, I started off trying to be a computer engineer, which is like half computer programming, half electrical engineering. And I just failed miserably in some of the math classes, uh, some of the more advanced math classes. I came, I came out of high school with some pretty good math credits, but man, you get to differential equations and stuff like that. And you're like, not in class. Pretty rigorous. Turn, turns out it's beneficial to be there. So, so I, uh, I tucked tail, um, from that school, which is uh, Harding university in central Arkansas and went okay. back home to try to finish graduating from the university of North Texas took me an additional six years. I just basically started working full time. Um, and, uh, were you living in Denton? I was, yeah, I pretty, I, not the whole time. I I immediately did move back home. Uh, but then I ended up moving out a little bit later, but, um, yeah, I I basically started going to school part-time and then, um, was, yeah, full-time employment started off just swinging hammers and construction. And, uh, I think, you know, looking back now, I, I realized that some of that like early soccer learning, like I, I was started rising up through crews pretty quick. Like I'd get on a crew and like within a few months, like I'm a foreman and then like started yeah. doing sales for a small construction company. And, um, I'm like 20. <laughs> so I started making pretty good money in construction and my wife and I got married young at 22. Um, and kind of put our, myself, ourselves through school, uh, over the next few years, I didn't graduate college till 26, but I was working full time the whole time. And, um, I, I knew I didn't want to swing a hammer the whole time. Uh, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed the aspect of like, I, I went to work, I could prove that I did something even, even today at Weatherby, like there's days where. And if I had to prove I did something today, it could be a little bit challenging. Like I, I like, I seriously worked on that spreadsheet. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's I like, there's, some, I got some sweat in on that spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. But there's no, yeah. there's no, uh, there's no real proof in the pudding sometimes, uh, once mm. you kind of become a desk jockey, but, uh, anyway, um, my dad really instilled through motorcycles, a serious sense of adventure. So I, I knew that I wanted to work somewhere that I really wanted to be. So, um, when I graduated from the university of North Texas, they had this management training program at this, uh, 
building products company in Irving, Texas. So it's an appropriate drive to stay where we were living. And I entered their, what they called a management training program. And it's like for fresh college graduates, you kind of go like a couple weeks in each department of the company and uh, just, you just see where you land. And I was hopeful I'd get a sales job and, you know, go start making tons of money somewhere. And and then the first day they bring in like every department head and they, they meet with the, the new class of these management trainees. There's like 20 of them from all over the country. And uh, this guy that's over product development comes in and he brings with him like a very specialized nail gun that I was actually super familiar with because of some of my previous work. And he's like, who knows what this is? And I was like, oh, that's a button cap stapler for like Tyvek or Dow siding. And um, he's like, you're the first person that's ever known what that is. That's been in one of these. How'd you know that? And so we started talking and um, I, I knew a lot about the products. And so he met with me later that day and was like, Hey, uh, I want to pull you under my wing for product development. I think you'd be good at it. And so I'm like, well, that's not what I was expecting, but okay. And so I got into product management and product development. And after a few years there at prime source, um, I was the product manager for collated fasteners, nail guns, air compressors, huge, like $250 million category. Uh, and I, I learned a ton. We did like private label stuff for Lowe's home Depot and Menards and I'm getting tons of great experience. And yeah, that's cool. That's uh, crazy. Cool. It was awesome. So I was enjoying what I was doing. Uh, but I didn't enjoy where I was living. I stuck in Texas was Texas is awesome. The people are awesome there, but if you like uh, the outdoors, it's maybe mm-hmm. not, not as awesome, yeah. especially in the Dallas area. Sorry to anybody that's maybe listening from Dallas, but I'm not the Texan. That's like, Oh, Texas are bust. <laughs> uh, I love public lands. I love places where you can go and, um, just do your, do whatever you want to do. Um, growing up, we would go ride motorcycles and take vacations in Lake city, Colorado, which is in Hinsdale County, like 97% of Hinsdale County, Colorado is public land. Like there's hardly any deeded ground there. And we just, I don't know. I just found freedom, um, freedom in that. Absolutely. So yeah. started looking for ways to, to do something that I wanted to do and get to Colorado. So um, I ended up taking a sales territory uh, at prime source, Western slope of Colorado. I went from steamboat Springs to Farmington, New Mexico had all of ski country. It was like perfect. And then uh, like, 2008, 2009 economic crash. Wasn't that awesome? (laughs) So I heard. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) it took, it took quite a while to, uh, to, well, let me say that better. It, it got to the point where I was winning sales contests as doing really well. And then that economic crash happened. And in the entire Western slope of Colorado, there's like two housing starts and there's no commercial, And I'm like, I can't keep doing this. And um, I ended up taking another job back in Texas after getting to live where we vacationed for a while. Mm -hmm. And it it like, it was a mental job. It really messed us up. My wife and I, uh, at that point we had two kids and um, we came back to Texas. We're like, oh, it'll be fun. We'll be back with family. And I was just so unhappy commuting in Dallas traffic, 45 minutes to go 17 miles. And, uh, 
it was really rough. And so I like made a kind of a pact with myself and my wife. It's like, we're going to get back to Colorado or somewhere in the West. And, um, we're going to work in an industry where I really want to work in. So it was right around that time that I started hunting as well. I had a friend that, uh, I got into waterfowl hunting and, um, I was like, man, hunting season's over, but I still want to hang out with my hunting buddies. So I started a chapter of ducks unlimited, uh, for Lake Ray Roberts, Northern Texas. And, um, we like did really well, really fast. And it was really super fun. All my hunting buddies were like, you know, the officials of uh, the ducks unlimited chapter. And, um, yeah, I just, was like, I'm going to just start getting some experience in the outdoor industry. I didn't know exactly how to do it, but I applied to several places. I applied to the North face and places yeah. like this that yeah. I didn't know a whole lot as a relatively young guy. And yeah, I'll, kept I'll just, just go work at Patagonia. Exactly. Turns yeah, out yeah. they want experience before you get there. <laughs> so I was like, well, I'll just start this ducks unlimited chapter and call that experience. And, um, it took about a year, but I ended up getting a job uh, in product development at Coleman, the outdoor company in Golden, Colorado. Oh, we, uh, I, I was trying, I was, I applied all over the place, just trying to get into the outdoor industry and, uh, long story short there. Um, I learned a lot about what not to do from marketing and branding perspective. Hmm. Um, that was like in the early days of Yeti coolers coming on. And mm-hmm. I remember at Coleman, us talking about Yeti and they're like, oh man, a $400 cooler, nothing to worry about. No one, they, they'll never, they'll never be anything. And they won't take up any market share. No, no. And, uh, I remember talking to them and be like, Hey, I think that they've got, they've got something like they're building this like ethos around them. That's more than just like, Hey, we keep stuff cold. Like they actually don't ever talk about the performance of their coolers that much, but they just kind of like made it cool. And they're like, no, we don't do marketing. We're 110 years old. We've got this. And, you know, within two years, like Yeti was doing more, more coolers than Coleman and Coleman's at the same time, like private label stuff was really coming on strong. And they're just like, no, we don't market. We're not, we're not going to spend a lot of money on marketing. And that's not what we're going to do while all this is going on, I'm getting really into archery hunting and I'm in Colorado, I'm archery elk hunting and having a blast. And a recruiter calls me out of the blue. Uh, uh, I had worked my way up at, at Coleman to the director of product development in a couple of years. Um, and a recruiter calls me and he's like, Hey, uh, you, you might not be the right fit, but you might be the perfect fit. We're looking for a person, uh, at bear archery to, I'm like, well, you got my attention already. I don't know what you're looking for, but they're like, we want somebody to come in and develop a crossbow program. They don't have crossbows. They know they're late to the game. You'll have 18 months and like no rules, just get get crossbows to market in 18 months. And they were in Evansville, Indiana, Southern Indiana. And I'm like, oh man, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Kind of a tough sell when kind of a tough sell geographically, but my wife and I are both up for adventure. So we were like, you know what, let's, let's try it. I was working like stupid hours at Coleman, like, like were 70, you? like 70 hours a week. And, um, we weren't really getting to enjoy the lifestyle that we wanted because the, the work-life balance wasn't there. So yeah. they kind of promised that at bear archery, that the, the work-life balance would be, would be there. And it totally was, it was so much better. Um, and actually we ended up loving Southern Indiana. Like there's it's, it's a yeah, lot I was gonna say, It sounds, it's kind of sounds like the armpit of our country, but it's within 45 minutes 
to an hour of a lot of really, really good. Absolutely. Stuff. Yeah. Good Real climbing. Good. Yeah. Good. Good public there's, land tracks. Just there's a little great bit motorcycle riding. There's yeah, great all kinds fishing. There's all kinds of stuff, and you yeah. don't really think about it being an outdoor mecca, but it kind of is. Yeah. Uh, plus real estate was cheap. So we were able to buy like this little five acre McMansion for like a song. Oh yeah. We had a pool, we had a pond, we had our own woods. Like, dude, that it, sounds like that. That's pretty idyllic. We were, we were pumped. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I did the, I did the crossbow program. Uh, it was launched successfully. We had a, I think we were a little late to the game, but yeah. uh, we, it, it did what it needed to do there. And I, I kind of had the option to stay. Um, there was some, some turnover there. Um, I was doing a lot on the marketing side and, a, a, another recruiter called me out of the blue. Um, my wife was a little bit homesick cause just, it was really foreign for both of us in Indiana. And so she's like, can we get closer to Texas? Not necessarily in Texas. So a recruiter calls and is, um, recruiting for uh, vice president of marketing and product development for Walther firearms. And I was like, man, that's a, that's huge. It'd actually be a big step up for me, but if, if I can pull that off, then yeah, let's, uh, let me try. Anyway, I hit it off with the CEO is great, great guy. Um, still friends with him to this day. And, um, yeah, we ended up moving to Fort Smith, Arkansas, which, I, I would say that Arkansas is the most underrated state in the union. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it there. Um, great, great dirt biking, great adventure riding, great yeah. hunting. Yeah. You name it. There's, there's just a ton of stuff there. So, yeah. um, my wife you and say I the actually, word Ozarks and people just imagine flat and thorn filled. And it's like, no, those are kind of, yeah. And maybe a banjo somewhere in there. Yeah. Know? Right. Yeah. Uh, Grandma spitting plugs at tobacco. Yeah. It's just a super, uh, super awesome place. But yeah. Um, so I was there for three and a half ish years. Um, and I should mention too. So I had a, I had a good friend at bear, uh, okay. who was a product manager as well. Same as Kevin. Um, Kevin actually told me like the day that the recruiter called me for the job at Walther, he was like, you know what? I think Walther arms would be a really great place to work we had a mutual friend that worked there and I tell him the next day, like, you won't believe me. This recruiter called me and, uh, like I have a, maybe an opportunity to work there. And he's like, dude, you got to hire me. <laughs> so, so I ended up hiring him. No way. Uh, yeah. So I ended up hiring him uh, to be the marketing manager. And I think we did really good things there at Walther and, uh, Im implemented some really cool stuff, kind of try to modernize the brand a little bit. And, uh, I'll try not to be too long winded, but he, he called me in his office one day, uh, early 2018 yeah. and he's like, Hey, shut the door. I'm like, what? He goes, you see, uh, Weatherby's going to move from California to Wyoming. I was like, I did. I saw that. I was at shot show when they announced it. Like, that's awesome. Good for them. And he goes, have you looked at their jobs? I'm like, no, we're like doing pretty good here. I'm not looking to move. And he goes, check this out. And he, he pulled up the job listings and they had a VP of marketing and product development and uh, a marketing manager. He's like, it's us. <laughs> you and your and, buddy, Kevin. 
Yeah. So I'm like, Oh dude, you're just like changed my day. Um, so I literally went home that night, talked to my wife was like, Hey, what do you think about Wyoming? She's like, I haven't been to Wyoming ever. I'm like, well, remember how Colorado was? It's like that, but better. <laughs> and, uh, she's like, okay, I'm in like, th- like that, wow. like that easy. And how long, how long have you been married? 18 years at that point it was yeah. 14 years, but yeah. Yeah. That's so wow, that's really cool. Yeah. So it's, I apply that night. I don't know anybody at Weatherby. And, um, so that let's just say that was like a Wednesday. I applied Wednesday night. The HR person from Weatherby called me on Thursday, set up a call with Adam Weatherby on Friday. We, we chatted Friday afternoon and like, we talked for two hours. It was a great conversation. And I'm like, Oh gosh, I just really like this guy. If, if yeah. like, if this doesn't work out, like I still just want to be in contact with him. He's a great dude. Um, and he's like, Hey, I really feel good about this conversation. Let's like, let it marinate for both of us over the weekend. We'll chat Monday and then we'll figure something out. So that's exactly what we do. We chat Monday and I'm like, Hey, I talked to my wife. She's all about it. And he's like, well, let's bring you out here. So that same week, uh, we chat Monday, I'm in California interviewing officially on Thursday with the whole team. And, uh, I got an offer Friday. Wow. <laughs> and so like it started moving pretty quick, but you know, if you think about what Weatherby had to do, they were moving from California. Um, and a lot of people just couldn't come. So 18 people of 75 moved from California to Wyoming yeah. and we're up to like 140 now, but yeah, you guys are uh, I was growing like crazy. I was one of the first ones hired as part of that transition. And he's like, we need to get the leaders in place. And then, so you can start building your team back out. And I have one person on my team that was employed in California. And outside of that, everybody's new. And I'm, I head up sales, marketing and product development here. Uh, and it's just been an absolute blast. It's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Wyoming's great. I, I don't want to say like how great it is. Cause I don't want too many more people to come here, but it's, sure. let's just say it's pretty cool. Sure. <laughs> Man. Um, well, now that we've kind of tackled, uh, who you are, where you came from, um, did you have an adventure story that you wanted to share with us? Maybe one that's not like just one story, but I'll just tell like a, a small collection of stories, I guess. So back when I lived in Denver, I was working at Coleman. Um, a buddy from that I grew up with, his name's Brandon. He was like, Hey, let's, let's meet in Colorado and we'll, we'll ride, we'll ride dirt bikes. And, uh, Good I was, it was I'm like, yeah, duh, this is great, great idea. So, uh, we planned to go, I was uh, at the time I lived in Evergreen and we were going to meet up over in Silverton and ride around in that area. And, um, I got so busy with work. I couldn't make it like last minute he, he went and he's like sending me pictures hmm. and it's like eating me up. I'm like, Oh, I just, I just feel like a jerk. I couldn't go. And I'm like, okay, next year we're going to go to Moab and I'll be there a hundred percent. And we'll, we'll like my, my, my brother will want to come too. So we did that. We made that happen. 
And so there was three of us riding around and we were putting pictures up on, you know, social media. And a lot of the guys that we grew up with riding that like 20 guys that I had mentioned before that like love to ride. They're like, dude, you guys are still riding. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, we're like, I don't have a bike anymore, but I'd love to ride again. And we're like, we'll get a bike. Come on. We're going to pick a day next year. Let's do it. So next year we had five. And then the year after that, we had like seven. And then of those seven, it was made up of one of our friends that um, went to California and he made some riding buddies there. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Hey, can I bring a couple guys? A little cross pollination. Yeah. 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 Like, sure. You can bring a couple guys. Uh, but the, the rule is like, if you bring them, you're responsible for them. Like, we're not going to change the route plan. Like I'm, I'm not going to be a jerk while we're riding on a trail. Like we don't, we're not going to leave anybody behind, but you bring them, you vet them. Exactly. So if after yeah. a day they can't hang, you guys are on your own basically. Yep. So they were awesome riders, great guys. We've become great friends. And, um, so we kind of just started this like moto mancation thing that we do. And so we're, we're like eight, nine years in the making we're Dude. going back, we're going back to Moab every year. There's a, a one or two guys that are new. Like you get 10 guys together. Not everybody can make it every year. Yeah. Somebody will not join, but two others will. So our trip's a little bigger each year, but, um, what's has started happening is it's like, it's not a retreat. It's not what, like we call it moto mancation. There's no women allowed. Sorry. <laughs> Um, but what, what I didn't know was happening that happened is it became like a retreat for a lot of the other guys. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I typically like do the routes and lead the trip. And then I was talking to this guy, Scott from California two years ago. And he's like, dude, this is the best thing I've ever done. Like, I just absolutely love this trip. It like, it feels, it fills me up to see how you like, take us down these trails that I don't think I can do. And then we, we do them. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. And like I go back and I'm high on life yeah. and I'm like, yeah, that's because you just need adventure in your life, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really what the trip um, has become about is it's once a year um, for a lot of these guys. It's the only time they ride, but uh, we, they show up, we, we ride hard for a week I try to kill them and, uh, yeah, just get close, get close. It's really fun. Wow. Really fun. Yeah, that's, that's, um, so you and your buddy Jordan and your brother started this whole thing. Brandon. Yeah. Brandon. Yeah, sure did. Sure Man, did. That's, that's crazy. That's so cool. I've actually, so when you and I were trying to find an original date to do this, um, that is what spurred on the conversation. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. some stuff that you posted on social that was substantial. I mean, you guys are you guys are hammering up forty five degree inclines, like stuff in Moab that you see. You know, the the big rock crawlers struggling to yeah. struggling to to kick over. You guys are ripping through there on your bikes. That's pretty cool stuff. It, it's it's weird. We started off just kind of general Jeep trails, and then an element of that got boring. Um, and we just started looking for the gnarliest, toughest stuff we can find. And we're not like, we're not pros. 
that's not really what it's about, but uh, we've gotten to be like, we're, we're very capable. We know yeah. where our lines are. Oh dude, there was uh, no, there was no question when I looked at that photo that it was either make it or break <laughs> it. Like if you don't make it up this, yeah. you're hitting the eject and you're going to walk yeah. home on a bike with a bent subframe. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we haven't had anybody like, well, actually we were, we last fall, we went to Rico, Colorado, which is like the single track Mecca. It's like the closest you can get to Idaho in Colorado. Oh, really? Um, it's an hour West of Telluride. Um, and we, we like had our first guy that he crashed on day one and bike was toast. Yeah. Shoot. Which was a bummer. What did he do? Um, did he turn into the camp cook or what? Basically. Yeah. 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 He still yeah. had a good time. Um, but yeah, he kind of had to, had to sit out the rest of the trip, but, mm. um, but yeah, we're, we're doing stuff that's, uh, you know, if you screw up, like you could die for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's where it gets good. That's where yeah. the good stuff lives. Man, I, I, I don't know that I would say I'm a full on adrenaline junkie, but my wife probably would say that that's true. Yeah. Um, but for me on a motorcycle, uh, I was talking to my brother about this. I, I, I got that 300 back in February. Mm. Um, I wanted to make sure I had it in time. Cause just like everything else, like bikes are hard to get right now. Um, so I, I bought it at the beginning of February and I had to go to the Western hunt expo mule deer foundation show in Salt Lake city. I was going to drive. I'm like, my brother lives in Highlands ranch down in Denver. I'm like, mm-hmm. Jake, I got this bike. I think I can get out of work for two days ahead of the Western hunt expo. Let's go to Moab for four days. So we go, we go down there and, oh, I just, just love that thing. It is unbelievable, but no buyer's was, remorse. Yeah, none at all. But we were talking on that trip. Um, I think what that trip does for me is, and the way that we've all gravitated towards riding, cause we're all like relatively successful, either, uh, entrepreneurs, independent business owners, uh, or just, you know, general business guys, um, we all live busy, busy lives, real busy. Um, I don't think that's bad. They're, they're, they're really full. Um, but on that trip, the way that we ride, if you take your mind off of the trail or the bike or whatever it is for a split second, like you're going to get hurt. Heavy consequence. Yeah. You're going to get hurt at a, at, at a minimum. And, um, for me, that is like the best part of the, the, the that's why I ride. Yeah. I, it's fun. I love yeah. it. Yeah. But f- when I'm on that bike riding that way, I can't yeah. think about anything else. And it's no. the only time where I can like, look back. I'm like, man, I didn't think about anything no. else at yeah. all. That's such an interesting <laughs> conversation. Uh, it was mirrored. My cousin, John, uh, is 20 years older than I am, but we are, we're kindred spirits, man. Like fly fishing for rainbows on the Deschutes, Mm. ripping, you know, ripping dirt bikes out at Henderson flats. Um, very on, very entrepreneurial, very, uh, he's a, he's a thought tinkerer, I guess is the best way to say it. Like, Hey, how can we do this and make it better? And that's mm-hmm. kind of how John has, has kind of formatted his life. So he's very enterprising in that. And it's led him into a career path that has 
placed is such an exorbitant demand on his time that for him riding a motorcycle, and I was even explaining to it, because I've got a trip coming up in Colorado that I'm having, a, I'm actually, that's what I was talking to him about. But um, I was just explaining to him that f- for him to actually rest, he has to have consequence Yeah, on the other <laughs> side of that, because yeah. otherwise he'll be on his phone. He'll be on a call. He'll be putting Absolutely. a fire out. He'll figure out something to do. And yeah. I think there's a, a niche a subset men who are between the ages of 30 and 50 who are mm-hmm. peaking in their careers. They're really, yep. they've kind of really maximized their affect within their, their skill set. Mm-hmm. They need to have something that has consequence attached to it. They need to have, um, I think on the flip side of that, maybe some of the guys who are there who, who aren't necessarily fitting right in the center of that niche, but maybe, um, desiring to be part of that yeah uh, they need to have a story they need to have their dudes for sure be pushed they're they're looking for adventure and they don't know how to do it themselves they don't know how to do it they need to be led they need to be the guy the guy that you just told me about who said you know luke you put me in a spot where i didn't really think i could do something and Mm -hmm. you kind of show me that it's navigable that type of environment is missing from a lot of business business places. Uh, cause I think everybody's just kind of jockeying for themselves and, and kind of, there's this CYA mentality that kind of, kind of shells us up and, and brotherhood is kind of the name of the game when you're out in a, in a trail ride. Um, yeah. And, and I just think there's too many, there's too many good components to, uh, a, a risk saturated adventure, like what you're just describing to, to ignore the, the benefit is, is a shame. It's, uh, yeah, everybody's got to get out and do something dangerous. I think I, you're, you're, yeah, it's really cool that you're totally thousand percent tracking with that. I think it, uh, I think it also needs to be noted that, um, for some people and even for, for me at first, uh, even though I'm kind of like habitual in doing this, yeah. like if you're married, like there's a, there's a spousal element that's involved in this. Okay. Uh, and the first time or two, the first year or two that I, I kind of took off to go on a motorcycle trip on top of hunting trips, on top of other trips, my wife was kind of like, you kidding me? Really? Kind of the eye roll. Yeah. 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 And, um, I think it was probably after the third trip, she realized like, oh, you actually need this and you come back like different. Um, and one of the things I tell the other guys, like, you know, a couple of months before our trip is like, Hey guys, show up at home, be at home. Cause you're about to not be, and we're going to have an awesome time, but you got to crush it at home and make it easy for your family as easy as you can when you're going to be gone. And, uh, you'll be awesome when you get back. But when you're like daydreaming about the trip, like try to stop. And mm. like, go do the, go do the dishes. <laughs> and I think now every one of them, uh, of the guys on the trip now, like their, their spouses, like encourage them to come because of how so good it is. Stinking cool. You've got this, um, you've got this innate ability to gather around, um, to gather up the crew. The posse has always kind of come to you. And that's a, uh, there's a, there's a, they're intangibles. Those aren't, those are tough to measure and to go out and get mm-hmm. those skills. 
Um, but it's very clear to me that that God has has presented you with that, and you've done your part in making sure that you're honing all the tangibles. And, I appreciate uh, you saying that. That's that's really yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's fun for me to just hear that you've got without even necessarily putting uh, you know, a package together and putting a formula together to execute. You're doing what formulas have been written to try and carry out in, in men's ministry. I'm a, I'm a men's yeah. pastor and a lot of the things that you're doing out there contain the elements of, of these retreats that we've dialed up and, and written into our curriculum. For sure. You just can't, I mean, it's, it's inarguable. These men come home whole, these come, these men come in broken, scrambled, um, pressure cookers. And yeah. just, just going, I don't, I, I'm pissed off and I don't know what I'm pissed off about. I'm strapped and I don't know what I'm stressed <laughs> about. Right. I feel like I'm, I'm miss, uh, I'm misunderstood and I don't have anybody to understand me. Uh, and, and you're talking the language that, that men need to be looking toward to, to heal. And I think a lot of it includes adventure. It sounds kind of, kind of sounds bootstrap 1950s, but it is. It's just, it's deep within the heart of a man to do something dangerous, to go, to go put his skills to use, to go yeah. put himself to the test. Yeah. I, uh, you know, it's an older book at this point, but, uh, you were kind of hinting at John Eldridge's book. Oh, yeah. Wild at heart, uh, totally. adventure to live, uh, uh, a, a, battle, a battle to fight and a beauty to rescue. Yeah. 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 And some of that, I mean, <laughs> that loses its romantic edge to a handful of, of kind of, you know, 20, 21st century academics, but I think there's some yeah. core truth to what he's getting at. So, Hey man, I don't mean to For steal sure. too much of your time. This has been truly a gift. Um, thank you so much in closing. I, I think something that needs to be broached is especially, this is especially true for millennials and, and younger, but my uh, kind of my generation was cut loose thinking if we didn't go to a four-year college and if we didn't graduate <laughs> with that degree, and if we didn't get involved in something that's incredibly financially stable, that we were failures. You are somebody who's uh, unique in that you're immersed in a, in a culture that is shaped by business landscape. Mm -hmm. You're around product development. You're around really how do we make things, make things better make things cheaper and sell them either for more or sell more of them. Absolutely. That's pretty much what you do is yep. you move product, but you're also cut from this awesome cloth of, you know, you, you kind of got this wiry hair for adventure and you don't really fit within the, the context of a, I guess, a traditional mold, you know, C-level executive. Talk to us a little bit about the truths that, that just settled in on, on what I said and maybe peel, peel some of that back for us. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a big question. I'll, I'll try not to go like complete soapbox on that one, but um, something's happened in the last 10 years, like exactly what you're saying. Um, and I'm, I won't, I don't want to say that like, I won't even interview an MBA graduate anymore, but it's close. They, these guys come at, come uh, all juiced up with all these businessy terms, um, and they we've we've hired some, 
and they come in and they just like want to do all these things at the end is doing nothing. It's like you wanted to spend three months researching and planning something that was a 45 second discussion and decision. Follow your gut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes I feel like we make things as a society so much harder than they need to be. And I think that's happening in uh, modern, modern school. Um, and my, my wife and I are, and we're probably borderline unschoolers at this point. Uh, my, my son wants to get into like content creation and videography and photography. And he's like, what, what school should I go to? And I'm like, dude, you don't need to go to school for that, bro. YouTube, <laughs> YouTube is strong. And I, I try to like, I, I can run a camera. I'm not the greatest, but I, I can get around and, um, I'm like, we'll get you a camera and you just start taking pictures and he's already taken really, really good pictures. Um, and I, I think it's just important to do something. Don't, don't, don't go think about doing something, just do it. Like if you want to be a graphic designer, go be a graphic designer. Is there, is there a room for, is there room for school? Yeah, for sure. But you're not going to learn anything at school. You couldn't learn on YouTube. Guarantee it. Not for graphic design, not for videography, not for photography, not for anything in the modern marketing world. You'll learn some business terms. So what? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> you know, yeah. do something. Yeah. Um, do what you're doing with the podcast. Like create an audience. Yeah. The this new digital age that we live in, there's so many tools that you can just go out and start doing something. So I challenged my son, like, start a YouTube channel. He's like, what will I do? I'm like, that's up to you, dude. I don't, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but yeah. I'll support you to do it. Yeah. Um, you tell me what you need. You can borrow my camera. You can borrow my video camera, you name it, but just start doing something. And I think he had this like deer in his headlights look like, I don't know how to do it. Mm. Like, I, that's the whole point. Just go do it. And I'm going to, I mean, I'm, I'm not that harsh, but like, no, there's, yeah. There's a, there's a very special reason for you to use the, the, yeah, the, the choice words and not getting too, not getting too uh, caught up and explaining yourself. I think just being simple in just saying, just to go do it. Yeah. That doesn't, that almost doesn't register. It almost elicits. Like, like, how uh, do I, how do I start that? Like, nobody's ever told me to just do that. The camera is there. (laughs) See that red button? You're here. Start talking. (laughs) Turn it on. (laughs) There you go. And talk about what you're passionate about and yeah. then we'll figure out what to do with that. Yeah. Man. But I think for, for, for a lot of what I just call like the front office jobs, like mm. that, go get experience somewhere, start a ducks unlimited chapter, start yeah. a, start a thing, do yeah. something, get yep. some people around you, do it, figure it out. I, yeah. I guarantee you nothing bad will come from that. Um, and, and, and likely you won't even get debt like you would if you go to school. Yeah, and I'm not saying don't go to school, yeah. but like, if you're the kid that's like, man, I don't, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Yeah. Then to go get a job. Yeah. Then, then you can figure it out before you just incur a ton of debt for you or your parents. And you never Truth. use that degree. Truth. Dude, so, it's been a lot of fun chatting with you. Uh, we're at an hour. I, w- I want to honor your schedule. Luke, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, man. I'm 
yeah, I would love to, to follow up and stay in touch. Um, let's do we've, yeah, I've got too many things that I could, could excitedly tell you about, but <laughs> I'll just, uh, how about I just shoot you a text next time I'm, I'm out on the trail or I'm zeroing in a rifle. Sounds like a great plan, Drew. Great right, talking man. with you. Yeah. Likewise. Thanks.